Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 107, Low Platelets. One of the blood cells that we're looking at when we take what's called a full blood count to look at the cells in your blood in pregnancy, are the platelets. Platelets are little cells that help clot your blood. They're part of the clotting cascade, so that when you cut yourself or when you bleed, there's a complex set of interactions of different proteins or clotting factors and platelets, and that results in your body forming a clot. This is very important, particularly after you've had your baby, in preventing bleeding problems. Therefore, when we check your blood count at the beginning of pregnancy and 28 weeks, one of the markers we're particularly interested in is your platelet count. The platelet count can, in fact, drop in pregnancy quite commonly. This is called thrombocytopenia. And it actually occurs in up to 8 or even 10% of all pregnancies. And this can be a reason why you're asked to come and see an obstetrician. And one of the reasons I thought this would be a good topic to talk about is often this is a woman who's had a completely straightforward pregnancy up to this point, who's suddenly presented with the fact she's got low platelets. She doesn't know what they are. She doesn't know what the implications of that might be, and suddenly she's packed off to the obstetrician. Therefore, I thought it'd be a great topic to talk about because it's actually quite simple. The most common reason that a woman's platelets might drop is what we call gestational thrombocytopenia. Thrombocytopenia is actually just a posh word for low platelets. Gestational thrombocytopenia might happen because actually there's just a dilutional effect. The woman's circulating blood volume has increased during pregnancy and this means that relatively speaking, in the blood volume, the platelets are a little bit less common. This is something we also see with women's haemoglobin, the red cells that carry oxygen. And this is why women often have a mild anemia in pregnancy. Again, it's dilutional and we're not worried about it that much. When I talk about an overall platelet count, what am I talking about? We talk about a level of 150 to 400, but what we actually mean is 150 to 400 times 10 to the 9 per litre. The drift down in the platelet count may be about 10% in pregnancy. 
And apart from the dilutional effect, the other reason that the platelets are thought to drop is because platelets are destroyed by the placenta. Most women, despite this slight drop, will still end up with a platelet count in what we consider the normal range, above 150. But in some women, there's a slightly more severe drop or their starting level was a bit higher. And that's when they may be asked to come and see me. Most of the cases I will see will be quite mild and not a problem for mother or baby. If the platelets are in the 100 to 150 range, I'm really not that bothered. Yes, I will keep an eye on them because they may drop further, but actually it's not a big deal. One of the first things to think about if the platelets are dropping is, is there any other possible explanation? And one of the things that can make a woman's platelets drop is preeclampsia. So we'll be very carefully looking at that woman's blood pressure and whether she has any protein in her urine, because these are other signs of preeclampsia. So before we think about the platelets in isolation, we always need to just quickly consider preeclampsia. However, it's unusual for this, the platelets dropping, to be the only sign or the first sign of preeclampsia. So if her blood pressure is normal and there's no protein and the platelets seem to be an isolated finding, we can discount that. The next thing we need to do is to look at what was the platelet count at the start of pregnancy. If the platelet count was normal, it's highly likely that this is the gestational thrombocytopenia I just mentioned. In most cases, this will be quite mild. If, however, the platelet count was low to start with, or the woman's had low platelets in the past, then this is a very different situation, because it may be that this woman has what's called immune thrombocytopenic purpura, shortened often to ITP. This means that the woman has a condition where her body's immune system is destroying her platelets and possibly suppressing production. Women with this condition may know they had it already or may have had low platelets at booking and on the whole their platelets will be significantly lower than women that have gestational problems. They may have a platelet count that goes below 50. At what level are we worried about the platelet count? One of the things we look at when we're looking at the platelet count is we need to look at how are they functioning. So one of the first tests we will do is we will look at the blood clotting. If the blood clotting is normal, it means the platelets are functioning correctly and therefore it doesn't hugely matter if there aren't as many of them. The other test we will usually do is called a blood film. This means actually examining the blood under a microscope and having a look to see what the platelets are like. The reason that this is important is most blood counts we get are automated. They go through a machine 
and sometimes in pregnancy if the platelets are larger than average or clumped together. The machine can, as it were, miscount the number of platelets and we can end up with a lower number than are actually present. So a blood film is a very important part of any diagnosis when a woman has low platelets. Obviously, the main concern of women when they come and see me with low platelets is does this mean they're going to lose excessive blood? And this is where the actual number and level of platelets becomes important, regardless of the reason why they are low. Even though we would consider the normal range to be 150, we are really not worried about platelets if they are above the level of 80. Women with this level of platelets very rarely have any clotting problems and are at very little increased risk of bleeding. We will monitor these women to make sure that they haven't dropped further, but we won't be likely to institute any treatment or do anything else. In actual fact, women are very unlikely to have bleeding problems unless the platelet count is below 50. So there's quite a dramatic difference in levels between what we are worried about and when you might be sent to see an obstetrician. You'll be sent to see a doctor if they're below 150, but we may not be worried about bleeding unless they're 50 or lower or not functioning. It's unusual for platelets to drop below 50 simply from gestational thrombocytopenia. And if a woman comes to see me with platelets that are that low, I will need to involve one of my haematological colleagues or blood specialists to consider whether she in fact has ITP. These women do require careful thought and consideration because we may need to have platelets on standby for when they birth their baby so that we can give a platelet transfusion if necessary. And women whose platelets are below 80, we may also consider some forms of treatment. This treatment is likely to be a course of steroid tablets or intravenous immunoglobulin. This is to see if we can reduce the destruction of the platelets particularly if it is thought to be immune-mediated. We will be likely to potentially suggest some treatment if the platelet count is less than 80, because it's heading towards 50, that mark at which bleeding problems could be an issue. But the other reason that we'll institute some treatment below 80 is because the platelet count of 80 or less starts to have implications for the woman's choices about pain relief in labour or her options of anaesthetic should a caesarean be required. To safely administer an epidural during labour or a spinal injection for a caesarean birth, a platelet count of 80 or more is required. This is for the reason that if you have bleeding from the spinal or epidural needle, even a very small amount of bleeding 
can cause significant complications if there's bleeding around the area of the spine. This means that epidural may not be an option for pain relief for that woman or that if she requires a caesarean birth, she may have to have a general anaesthetic being put to sleep for it. And this obviously has major impact on some of the choices a woman may make about birth and the experience she's likely to have, whether she could potentially miss being conscious for the birth of her baby. So this is very important conversation to have. My anaesthetic colleagues can offer alternative forms of pain relief, such as a Remy fentanyl PCA, a sort of patient-controlled analgesia. That means you press a button to deliver a small dose of painkiller each time you have a contraction. And I've enclosed some information on this in the programme notes. If a caesarean is going to be required, then it's important to have prepared the woman and her birth partner for the fact that this is going to be a general anaesthetic. Explain to her what that's going to involve, what that's going to mean for the baby and how best you can facilitate her meeting her baby afterwards when she's in the recovery area and what her partner can do to spend time with baby in the meantime. So when a woman is being monitored for low platelets during pregnancy, it's important to talk through these issues in case the platelet count dramatically drops lower as she approaches the time when she's going to give birth. I always find it slightly difficult because some of my colleagues will have the attitude of if the platelet count is okay, and the woman is 39 or 40 weeks, why not start an induction process so that you know the woman is going to have her baby when the platelet count is okay, rather than waiting for the unpredictable possibility that the platelet count may have dropped on the day she happens to go into labour. Whilst this is a valid approach, I always find it slightly contradictory because we know that women who have an induction of labour are a bit more likely to need intervention, such as an assisted vaginal birth or caesarean birth. And therefore, actually, the least chance of the woman losing blood after birth if she has low platelets is for her to have as straightforward a birth as possible. And for that, if her body starts that birth, she will potentially be much better off. So I find it slightly weird when our home birth guidelines suggest that women with platelets less than 100 should not be having a home birth. And yet my anaesthetic colleagues will not want to give an epidural or spinal if the platelets are below 80. Given that we know home birth or midwifery-led birth actually has a lower chance of needing intervention, so potentially needing an epidural or spinal, that always feels slightly contradictory to me. And I have had some women birth at home with low platelets 
after careful discussion about the pros and cons with the team. One of the most important things about having low platelets is actually to focus on the other reasons women bleed after having their baby. If we can do as much as possible to help the womb contract, help the placenta separate by having that active management of third stage, having an injection to help the placenta separate and doing everything we can to minimise tears, then actually those are the most important things for any woman with low platelets to try and prevent bleeding problems. So sometimes focusing in on the platelets themselves can make us lose the bigger picture of the other things we need to do to prevent bleeding after the baby's born or postpartum hemorrhage, PPH. So a woman who has low platelets towards the end of pregnancy, I will usually suggest a weekly blood count and certainly a blood count to be taken when she goes into labour and we'll monitor the platelets having checked the blood clotting and a blood film and have a conversation about what the likely trajectory is and what we think may happen and what all her options are and what all the possible eventualities might be. If we have a woman with immune thrombocytopenia purpura, ITP, it's a little bit more complicated Not only is the platelet count likely to be significantly lower, I've cared for women with platelets at even a level of 20, but it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to the baby. The antibodies in ITP can cross the placenta and therefore this can cause the baby to also have low platelets. Unfortunately, the maternal treatments we might give, such as steroids or intravenous immunoglobulin, do not have an impact or improve the baby's blood count. And around 15 to 20% of babies born to mothers with ITP will also have thrombocytopenia or a low platelet count. It's very difficult to judge which babies may be affected and therefore we have to be careful during labour so we will try and avoid things that may have an increased chance of the baby having excessive bleeding. For example, we will try to avoid putting a fetal scalp electrode or a little clip on the baby's head to monitor the baby's heart rate or doing a more complicated assisted vaginal birth or using the Vantuse, the suction cup. As we know, this can cause bruising and bleeding in a baby. And if this baby has a low platelet count and is more prone to excessive bleeding that could cause very severe problems for the baby. We won't routinely suggest a cesarean birth instead because for most women if they can have an uncomplicated birth this will still be better for both them and their baby. 
but it will limit the options that the obstetricians have when looking after you. After the baby is born, we will take a sample from the umbilical cord, as remember this is the baby's blood, and it means we can check the baby's platelet count, and then the neonatal team can treat the baby accordingly if required. This way, we can check the baby's blood count without actually using a needle on the baby. If a woman with a very low platelet count is going to need a caesarean, as I mentioned, we will try and give treatment beforehand, but we will certainly be having conversations with the specialist haematology doctors and our blood transfusion lab to have platelets available to give her, often before we start and then during or after any necessary surgery. Okay, what is my zesty bit? I think my zesty bit is if you've been diagnosed as having low platelets during pregnancy, don't be scared. Yes, we need to monitor you. Yes, we need a conversation. But on the whole, this doesn't mean all sorts of problems and complications. It just means a little bit of additional monitoring and understanding the choices that you have specific to you and how low or otherwise your platelets are. I've looked after many women with extremely low platelets over the years, many of whom have had a very straightforward, uncomplicated birth with minimal blood loss. If you're a health professional looking after someone with low platelets, then ideally, before you send them to the obstetrician, it'd be great to do a blood clotting and perhaps a blood film so that they have a little bit more information when they see the woman. And always look back at the booking platelets. What were the platelets on that first blood test? And don't be afraid to ask other specialties, such as haematologists, blood transfusion, anaesthetists, to get involved in the care of women who, who do have a significant problem with their platelets because these women need careful team planning. I very much hope you found this episode of the OBSPOD interesting. If you have, it'd be fantastic if you could subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform you find your podcasts, as well as recommending the OBSPOD to anyone you think might find it interesting. There's also tons of episodes to explore in my back catalogue from clinical topics my career and journey as an obstetrician and life in the NHS more generally. I'd like to assure women I care for that I take confidentiality very seriously and take great care not to use any patient identifiable information unless I have expressly asked the permission of the person involved on that rare occasion when it's been absolutely necessary. If you found this episode interesting and want to explore the subject a little more deeply, don't forget to take a look at the programme notes where I've attached some links. If you want to get in touch to suggest topics for future episodes, you can find me at The Obs Pod on Twitter and Instagram 
and you can email me theobspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.